0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: It would not surprise me that those that are listening even this morning as we begin our message here, that you are carrying on your heart, Someone that you really wish that they would be walking much closer to the Lord, would have fully surrendered to the Lord. Maybe it could be a husband or it could be a wife. It could be someone that you have been dating perhaps for a long time. It could be a son or a daughter. It could be a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad. Or someone that you have just grown very close with over the years and you've had sweet fellowship together, but you've noticed them drift away from the Lord for whatever reason and we're here not to condemn or criticize, but we have to accept the fact that they aren't walking with the Lord. And you know, the Apostle Paul recognized that as well, and so he is in a section of Scripture that we're going to learn today about how do we pray so that lives will change. Now, when I talk about that, I'm not just saying that you have a bad life and you want to get right as much as you have a good life and you would like to get better. Paul's blanket prayer that he is now praying for these people is that they would learn and know some things so that their lives would be all that God would have them to be. But it's still well worth learning of how do we pray a prayer that someone else's life will change. You talk to a lot of uh, new Christians today that are not in good, sound churches. They're given little prayer books or little poems or little speeches to follow or perhaps someone else's prayer. And sometimes their prayer even devolves into a self-interest type of prayer. Pray for me, me, me. Well, today we're going to learn from this passage of Scripture two primary truths. Just just listen to these so that you can wrap your head around it. Number one, we're going to learn today, how do I pray for someone else so that their lives would change or keep changing for the glory of God? That's number one. The second, though, in that prayer that we're going to learn how to pray, we're going to learn the content of that prayer. And while we'll see it as content for others that we'll be praying... I want you to then own that content for yourself. In other words, how can I pray this prayer for others to know so they can live for the Lord better when I'm not knowing these truths for my own life and allowing the Holy Spirit to change me? So we'll be praying for others' lives to change, but in it, it's also a prayer for us to change. And how do I get that? It's because this particular prayer in Scripture is one that Paul prayed frequently for the people at Ephesus, and I believe it was his hallmark of life that he prayed for others very similarly. In fact, this passage of Scripture is almost repeated a second time in chapter 3. And so he was praying for a group of people as well. So maybe for just a moment, we will now not only see this as a letter to the Ephesians, but we'll see it as a letter to us. We'll not only see it as a prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian Christians, but it was a prayer that he extended to us to pray for us, and by that we will own it as well. So when I ask someone, if you would like to pray, what kind of prayers would you like to pray? Those that some man has written for you or some lady has put together for you, something that you got out of a devotional booklet, and I'm not marginalizing them out, Or would you rather really crank up the volume and actually pray a prayer that someone else prayed, but God prompted that person to pray that prayer so much so that He included it in Holy Scripture. So in other words, it's a divine-inspired prayer for us to learn. So we're not just copying any old prayer. We're copying a prayer of someone who was inspired by God to pray this prayer and then put it in Scripture so we would know what He was praying for them and extrapolate from that a great deal of truths for us. Now that all now being said, I want to now make sure that you understand that in Scripture, when Paul prayed, he didn't so much spend his time praying that someone would get a job. He did not so much praying that someone would get well or healthy. He didn't always pray that someone then would have some certain thing given to them, like a chariot or a horse. In our case, a car or something. But you will find that he saturated his prayer time with praying for people in a special way so that their lives would change. And if I could take another step back from that, I would say this, that in the midst of not having a job, in the midst of not having health, in the midst of whatever issues of life that we would like to have God resolve so we can have a happier life, He's praying prayers that we could stand strong and last long when life just comes at us like a freight train and those things aren't happening. So at the end of today's message, if we learn this and apply it, then no matter what you're going through, I'm not going to marginalize that down or try to speak against any pain that you have through any problems that you're going through right now. But what I'd like to do is to give you a kind of prayer that we will be praying for you and for one another so that no matter what you're going through, you then can have a prayer that will literally change your life for the better. So that's really the intention of it. Now, to make this even more practical, what you might do in the margin of your notes, you might want to put down the initials of one or two people that you would either pray that their life would change for the better for God... Or you're praying for someone who is walking with the Lord, but they need to have special knowledge about the Lord to help them to stand strong and last long as they go on. That type of person might be illustrated by those of you who are parents. And you know that your kids are really doing a pretty good job. They're not perfect, but they're going in the right direction. But you know that they're going to be going off and not going to be underneath your your, um, supervision or your umbrella of protection as much. You would want to pray for them. So what I'd like you to do is just kind of put their initials there. So while we're going through this, it doesn't become just a general messages of principles and how to uh, pray for someone, but it's how you could actually use this prayer in the current life of someone that is in your world right now. So all of that being said, we're going to look at some of these principles, and I hope that they'll be as helpful to you as they will be to others who have applied it to their lives. So here's number one. We have our person in mind. We own this truth. And now we want to focus on the person's strengths as we begin to pray for them. So you have that person in mind. You want to go to the Lord in prayer. So before you do, don't just immediately launch into all their problems and how they're sinning and how they need to get right with God and all of that. The moment you're going to do now is you're going to activate that principle that says to love others like we love ourselves. All right. And to do that, we want to focus on their strengths. Let's read the passage, and let me take from this passage the strengths that the Ephesian church had. He says this, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints. Now I could probably preach multiple sermons on this one portion of this passage of Scripture because it is so rich, but I'm not. But I do want you to see this when he says, For this reason I too. Now that is said in the context of chapter 1, where at the beginning of chapter 1 he was talking about seven blessings of highly elected people. So he dips back and he says, For this reason too, or therefore, because people have all these blessings, I am now praying this prayer for them. So in your moment right now, as you're beginning to think about this, reflect on the fact that the person about whom you're praying has those same blessings, and you do too. But he goes on and he says, Just having those blessings, in a sense, is not enough. So he says, Having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, he's getting ready to talk about what he's going to pray about, but the first thing he says to them Is what he has to say is their strength. And I love this. He says, having heard of the faith that's among you. Let's pause for a moment. Paul was in Ephesus. In a sense, Paul was a church planter in Ephesus. Paul was now gone from Ephesus for approximately four years. And in those four years, he then wound up in jail. And so now he is writing this from jail. So he wasn't with them for four years. So think about your senior pastor who have been here for maybe three or four years, and then he leaves, and now he's somewhere in some prison, and he's trying to keep his head on while he's going through all of that. And what's happening now is he's getting reports back from this church to him, how we're doing. And what he hears from others is how that you have great faith that haven't left. I think that's a great testimony. Having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists, that means it, doesn't, uh, it wasn't in the past... It's now, hopefully pointing to the future, but the key thought is the word among you. That means that from all that he's hearing, he's hearing that lots of people and maybe all of the people of that Ephesian church had great faith, great knowledge of doctrine and truth and believed in God. Let's go a bit further. He didn't just say that you knew great stuff and you had great faith. He says, and I've heard from others which exists among you that you have love for all the saints. Take your pen and underline the word love, all the saints. I don't think he was being a person who would use a hyper- hyperboles to talk about this. I think he really heard. He didn't hear one negative thought about people not having the faith, not one negative thought about someone that didn't love someone else. And by the way, love isn't where you kind of love them and then you go on and you cut them down. You love them to their face and then you talk about them behind their back. Love is something that has compassion that adds a little bit of working clothes behind them to serve them. All that being said he then compliments that person before he even gets into the kind of prayer that he prays for them. So in a sense, he is wrapping his mind around those people so that he could have an attitude of love for them on their strengths. Now, that's not saying that they didn't have weaknesses, and it's not saying that they didn't need to know more, because he's going to talk about that. But he is saying what they did get, they applied to their lives. They had faith and they had love. Now, when I thought about those two terms, I think in terms of this, and it might help you just a little bit, When I think of faith, I'm trusting in God. I'm trusting in His Word, His promises, all of that. So that's going to kind of put the top of the cross going up and down. So I'm looking up. Then he talks about love for all the saints, and that's kind of horizontal. So we almost have the cross going on here, a wonderful balance between trusting the Lord and then loving other people. And so what I'd like you to do for a moment, that uh, person uh, about whom you wrote their initials down on the side of your paper, I want you to just reflect for a moment. What could you thank God for? What have you really heard about that person that was really special? And get your mind for a moment off the, uh, the fact that they need to change and how bad they've been doing and why don't they get their act together into what you can really thank the Lord for them about. And in this case, you could thank the Lord because they had great faith and they had love for one another. I think nothing hurts those in ministry more than when you have people that you've worked so hard with and they don't walk with the Lord. And then nothing brings you greater joy than those whom you have worked with, like Paul did here, and at least at this stage of the history of the Ephesian church. They had great faith, and they had love for all the saints. I can only imagine what it was like to be in that stinky jail, and smelling all that was around him, and yet hear the waft of beautiful information about the people that he really loved so much, that really had faith in the Lord, and love toward one another." And so let's begin by, when we start praying for someone else, think about some of the positive traits that they have. But watch very carefully. Not so much uh, the things they can't control. Look at some of the character things that they can control. Faith is something you control. Love is something you can control. So look at the stuff that they are choosing to do right. And preferably now, choosing to do right spiritually, even in the midst of the struggles that they have. All right, number two. The second principle that we can get from this passage is to keep giving thanks for them. Keep giving thanks for them. This is very common right here. He says, I do not cease giving thanks for you. Paul knew that any godly character trait actually came from the Lord. So if they had faith and if they had love, that faith was grown in them because they were close to the Lord. So the Lord is the source of that faith and the object of that faith, and love is the source of that love. And, it's all, and he's all, God is the source of that love, and he is also the one that love was pouring out through to the other people, God's love. So again, it goes back to the fact that he's giving thanks to the Lord for these people. And I, I look at that, and I think, maybe for a moment, reflect on the people that are really having a hard time. They're not walking with the Lord. They know better, etc. But can you find something now that not only can you comment on their positiveness, but you can also thank God for whatever that might be and keep giving thanks for them? Let me give you another thought through all of this. As you go through this whole passage, it's neat how Paul thinks about them in a positive way, then he thanks the Lord for them in a positive way, before he then now prays in a way that would bring about a change. So it's almost like he is dipping his arrows in honey before he shoots them. It's almost like that he gives them grace and mercy at the beginning before then he unloads some truth that they must know if their lives are going to change for the better. So he starts it out with a lot of grace and kindness and compassion. You have too much grace and not enough truth, you're going to have sweet sentimentality. Or if anything, you'll draw a lot of people to you. People are going to like you. Who doesn't like a person who's merciful and gracious? But you really won't have an effect on their life unless you have truth. If all you have is truth and no grace and mercy and compassion and love, then they're going to see you nothing more than wielding Scripture as a weapon against them instead of as a tool to build them up. So number three now. We talked about giving thanks for them. I got that. But then it says keep on asking for them. Here it says while making mention of you in my prayer. Now here's my point on that. That means in this case we're not just thanking them, But it also says, while making mention of you in my prayer, implying now that I'm doing this while I pray. I'm also adding to my thanksgiving something else that's going to come here in a few moments. I'm just kind of dividing it up. So he says, I thank, but while I'm making mention of you in my prayer, we're going to see what did he mention about them to the Lord in his prayer. My only point is this, making mention. I did not cease doing this. And so I would like to wrap my arms around each one of you. Those of you that are carrying the burden of a loved one who is not walking with the Lord, a burden of someone who you are very concerned with about where they're going to go with their life, especially as they begin to move away from your um, baby daily encouragement. I don't know what you might be going through right now, but let me encourage you, don't ever, ever, ever give up on them. Continually pray for them. I'd like to tell you a story about someone that I know. There was a young uh, a boy who grew up in a family, and that family was committed to Christ just like most of you right here, so much so that the family walked with the Lord, they served the Lord in the church together, the kids went to the church with them together nearly every time the doors were open, almost the last ones to leave, they moved chairs when they were asked to move chairs, they got involved in a very healthy and vibrant youth ministry. At home, they would have devotions once a week in the morning before they would go to school. They went to seminars. They were all week long to learn basic life principles. Once a year, they would go to that. They memorized Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 together as a family. They did most everything together. But as the kids got older and started getting um, where they can start thinking more on their own and they were coming out of the house, they kind of went on into life. They never totally abandoned their faith. They never abandoned their family. But at the same time, they certainly weren't walking with the Lord. And so the parents were incredibly concerned about that. What they've done is they've chosen to take what I'm teaching you today. And they took it to heart where they prayed consistently. And when they did that, they prayed nearly day after day. Not quite. I don't know. Maybe they did. But they did pray week after week and month after month, year after year, and almost decade after decade. And there they were sitting in their home as the story goes, this is a true story. They got a phone call, and the person said, hi, Dad, and uh, started to break down and cry. And when he did, he then explained this most incredible, and my term is, I know you may not like the term, but my term is a come to Jesus moment. Do you know what I mean by that? It's where God really broke that person. The parents never prayed that God would drop the hammer on their kid prayed this prayer that God would do some great things. And that kid is now weeping. He now was suffering some of the consequences of his wrong choices. They weren't fatal. He'd survive and he would thrive afterwards. But God really had to get a hold of him. But the parents never gave up praying. And now that person has grown and living full on for God, serving the Lord. Amazingly, what he had learned as a kid growing up as an elementary student, junior high and high school, I think just about all of it came back to him. And now he is repeating what he has learned to others, but only with the caveat of a caution of the years that were wasted when he didn't live for the Lord then. Yes, God can restore unto them the years that the locust have eaten, but I really believe it was because of the constant making mention of that person in prayer. Didn't publicize it, just an intimate time with God. Let me give you a reference here. I'll read it to you. Just write it down and go back. It's found this, Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10, and it says this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. And so I just want you to know is just keep making mention. And for you to help to help you remember, ask, seek, and knock... Ask starts with A, seek starts with S, and knock starts with K. And you have ask in those English words there. And so keep on asking the Lord. It will happen. Now, some of you might say, well, I keep praying and praying and praying and nothing is happening. Um, don't use your prayer that that person's life will change as if it is some kind of genie that you keep rubbing that's in a bottle that he'll come out. I want you to know that the Lord will answer it in His time, in His way, and I hope that whatever it might be, you'll be satisfied with it because God is sovereign, and He's loving, and everything happens according to His will. So you keep praying. So you might say, why do I then keep praying? Because sometimes the prayer that you're praying is not so much about that other person's life that's changing, but prayer is often an inside job within us. It's bringing us to our needs. It's humbling ourselves. It's helping us to reflect upon, are we doing these things? Are we walking with the Lord? Are we hypocritical in what we're asking for others and we're not doing? And then inside, it's drawing us closer to the Lord, or should. And so things are happening that even if that person does not benefit, we should and will benefit from this type of prayer. So keep on asking for them. Please don't ever give up for His glory. Number four. Keep your mind on who you are praying to. Now, I know that's probably not the best grammatical structure of that phrase, but bear with me. Keep your mind on who you're praying to. The verse says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Now, the reason I just put that in there, in this way, is to let you know that in the whole um, the whole environment of this passage of prayer, at the center of it is going to be the Lord, at the end of it is going to be the lord. So I wanted you to know that in your praying that you would recognize that you are praying to the lord, you're praying for that person to get to know the lord fully, so it's all about the lord. Now, that being said, is I would like to lean more heavily upon while you're wanting that person to change for the better, it will have greater results when you realize it's the lord as the source of this and the object of your prayer that it's the center of the lord Jesus Christ so that we don't lean too heavily on all the kind of gobbledygook there is out in unbiblical counseling that's out there, that we don't lean into all sorts of seminars that will change lives, or all sorts of counselors that you might see, or all sorts of camps you might take them to, or whatever it might be. I'm not marginalizing that out. What I am doing is properly prioritizing it underneath. We're seeking God in God alone. So as God is revealed, reflected, and permeates all those other things I just mentioned, to that degree, then God is at the center of it. So if it's counseling, make sure it's biblical counseling. If it's going to be a camp, it's a Christian camp where God is honored. It is a place for that person to come and grow. Now, I'm not just talking about young people. But you're going to pray for the others as well. Sometimes all we think is that we throw all this literature, all these DVDs, all these weekend retreats to those that are having marital issues. They're all good. But I want you to know the source of all of that has still got to be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. If not, here's what will happen. They will then draw in a closer relationship to the people at camp, to the teacher on the DVD, to their counselor, and all these other voices that are speaking into their life, And give credit to those people, which you can thank the Lord for that, but you're thanking the Lord for God using them in that person's life. So keep the Lord at the very top of this. Paul did. The whole thing was about the Lord, that they would be close to the Lord. I'm thanking God for these people. All right. Also to keep this in mind when it talks about this is the fact that when I seek the Lord totally and completely, this is is cool, when I seek the Lord, I'm going to seek the Lord of the Bible. So that's why we put the Bible in this and why this is a biblical prayer. And while I'm encouraging you that you would pray this prayer, as you're going to learn in just a moment, we haven't even got to the prayer part yet. When we get to that, that you would begin to pray this prayer. Frame your prayer as closely as you can to the words that is found in Scripture with this prayer. And you might modify it to fit the person about whom you're praying, but yet use this Scripture because it's all about Jesus Christ, the living word and the written word. All right, number five. Now we're going to go to the umbrella part of the prayer. The big umbrella part of the prayer is number five. Ask the Lord to give them spiritual insight to know Christ better. Ask the Lord to give them spiritual insight to know the Lord better. Now we're going to talk about how to do that in a moment, but right now we want them to really know the Lord better. Now let's look at the verse. It says, That God may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, God will help you to understand who God is. He's going to give you revelation from the Word because that's where you're going to really know the Lord accurately so that the Lord would open up His Word to you, give you that understanding. And then it says, in the knowledge of Him. And that word in the Greek is the, ep- uh, the epikinosis, the full knowledge of God. So let's pause for a moment and step back. What you want to do is you want to pray that that person will fully know the Lord. If you're not certain of that person's salvation then the first part of your prayer will be that they come to faith alone in Jesus Christ. And in some measure that you know that, or you hear that, that you know that they're Christian. So those of you that are praying for someone, you might be praying a spiritual prayer for them, but they haven't trusted Christ yet. So maybe your first prayer for them is that they would come to faith in Christ, have the assurance of their salvation, and somehow give a testimony to that. So you do know that they're saved. At a time they didn't just give you a surfacy little quick answer and you were so desperate you grabbed that and believed it when really in their heart they haven't fully, completely realized that Jesus is the Lord who died and rose again and by faith in Him alone they can have eternal life. Now that being said, if you know that they've known that, then you don't want to just pray and thank God that they merely have fire insurance from hell. You want them to fully know God. And that's where we are in this passage. One person wrote this, and I thought it was so good, I want to share it with you. He said, to know Him, the Lord personally, is salvation that's in the past. To know Him personally is salvation. I know Him. He is my Savior.